Welcome to Real Conversations with Daryl Smith. Our voices, our views, our generation. Let's conversate. Good morning, everybody. Coming to you live again from Serendipity Labs in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Doing a little bit different today. I have my first actual guest on the show today. I have a Mr. Tim Rogers, who is running for Congressional District 4 seat for Congress this year. And I want to start by saying, first of all, thank you for coming on to the show today. Uh, you're welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, you're most certainly welcome. I'm, I'm, like I said, back to you also. So before we get started, Tim, I want you to do a quick favor for me since you're my first guest. Can you do a quick ah for me? All right, good enough for you. All right, all right. That's what I'm talking about. That's perfect, perfect. All right. All right, Tim, let's get right down to it. Can you tell the listeners out there, first, let's tell a little bit everybody about who you are and what your background and what have you first. Well, I'm a native of Milwaukee. I was born and raised here. I grew up in a supermarket business with my dad as a youth. And we really took care and supported our neighborhood and community. And we saw it being tore down where they were trying to migrate us out of the neighborhood. And then at a point in my life, you had to live in a certain area of the city. So I grew up during those times and uh, where they had us segregated and blacks in this area. We couldn't move across North Avenue or at Walnut at one time. But we got beyond that, and here we are today. And as a youth, I was always involved in 4-H club, Boy Scout, Cub Scout, Lutheran Ranger and various things in the community to stay active and to further my knowledge of life. And I graduated from North Division High School in 1978, attended UW Parkside in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and also came back to MATC. So here we are now where I'm an adult, full adult, about 60 years old. <laughs> And there comes a point in your life when now it's time to do what's right for the community and make a change, positive change as a people. You know, um, the last three years have been hearing racism talk, systemic racism. You've been hearing uh, white supremacy talk. That was proven when Hitler had the Olympics in, in Moscow or whatever. That was. Berlin. Berlin, exactly. Yeah, 1936. Right. That we are just human beings. Some exceed more than others, but, you know, we marched in all through the 60s and the 70s, and we shouldn't be going back. It's good to know the history, but we shouldn't be going back to the history. It's time to move forward in a positive way. So make, that's what I want to do. Well, you make a very good point. You know, as they say, you know, history does repeat itself. Things come back in circle, unfortunately, but we'll get to that a little if more. If you erase it. That's a good point. <laughs> you know? A very good point. My next question I have for you, Tim, is that there's a great introduction about telling you about who you are. Next question I have is that what made you decide to run for Congress? Well, I ran for alderman years back, and I felt that because of who I was running against or whatever the case may be, I didn't make it, but that would have been a start in trying to better my community. So I didn't win. I kept active, doing other things, and now it's another opportunity came to me. It was like, okay, now I'm 60 or 58. <laughs> and I said, uh, wow, okay, things still ain't getting better. So I said, let me uh, jump in the fire again and see how I can make a difference. And Congress is where you can actually make a difference. Money is allocated to the city, to state, for our communities, and I want to try to make 
the city to stay accountable for taking care of the people within the community, within my fourth congressional district. That's what I'm running for. Now, you mentioned it before. I know you told me before that you did run for alderman against Michael McGee uh, Sr. Is that correct? Correct. Was that back in the late 80s or early 90s? Early 90s. Before he started making talk about blowing up the expressway on 43 in the mid-90s, he was a very popular alderman. But when he made those comments, he, how can I say it, his popularity definitely went down. And he ended up leaving, you know, leaving office, and that's another story, too. And also, I know you mentioned to me that you ran for Congress back two years ago. Every two years, Congress, that's they right. go to vote for Congress, yes. Yeah. And I did run in 2018. What's different between this time you run and compare, you think, compared to two years ago in 18? What's the difference that you're seeing now in the community, what you're feeling, compared to 18? Or is it still about the same, or is there any difference? Well, it's getting worse. It's been getting worse since 2018. And I feel that I can make a change to make it better, start getting progress for the future. If it keeps getting any worse, we are in trouble. You break into my next point. Okay, first of all, can you tell a little bit of listeners a little bit of, about your platform and views? Like, for instance, let's start with um, job creation for the district. What would you do if you were going to be in Congress? What would you do to celebrate job creation within the district? Well, I would push for redevelopment within the community. Those are jobs once you start redeveloping. If you look at the streets and not boarded up houses in my community, it's bad and it's getting worse. So somewhere we have to turn around. Right now we have a chance to turn everything around and move forward, give jobs to the locals within the community. And that's one of my biggest platforms. We have a water problem that's been in uh, existence since the 60s. I grew up as a kid boiling water and being told that there's lead in the water. And they talk about it every election time, but when it comes down to it, after election's over, it goes away. And you make a great point because there's been a lead problem you know, since the 60s at least. And I'm, I was born in 79, so the lead problem has been around since I've been a little kid, but it's gotten even worse. Correct. Like you mentioned the last, I would say the last decade or so or less, during Mayor Bear's time as being mayor of the city of Milwaukee, I've heard only 7% of the houses that they have lead issues have been resolved. And he's been in office since 04. So mm-hmm. only 7% of the houses in the city of Milwaukee have been taken care of with the lead issues. That's not good at all. No, it's not. It should be more like close to 100%. But and the money is being allocated to the state and the city from Congress to take care of these problems. And they're not getting done. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's sad. You know, unfortunately, things are, I have to say, I'm going to say like this, things are not getting, are kind of going backwards in a sense. And the next question I have for you, now dealing with another part of your view or platform, Two more points here. First of all, what would you do to deal with this coronavirus is really, that has really grappled our, our city, state, and our country? What would you do to address that coronavirus issue that we're dealing with right now? Well, as a congressman, I would push for the way it's going now. I mean, we have no choice. It's in existence. We're wearing masks. But I wouldn't make it a mandate to wear masks so, as far as the coronavirus. I mean, there's been diseases since the beginning of the time. The mask helps a little. But it's not something that you should be mandated and possibly given a ticket for not having it. Well, instead of doing that, would you, what about uh, doing, uh, Joe Biden is talking about doing like universal uh, standardized testing coming from the government, coming out from the government being coordinated that. Would you call for like increased testing for people to kind of alleviate this issue with coronavirus? Because a lot of people out there I've talked to are living in fear. People have not left the house since March. Mm-hmm. And people are not going places like they did before, which some people have underlying health issues that are worse than others. And that's rightfully so. They have to be very concerned about that. Would you agree that doing increased testing is going to make a difference before we get a vaccine on the scene? I can see testing being important for someone who even think they may have it. 
go get a quick test, but it should be a quick turnaround. It shouldn't be days. It should be within hours yeah, you I, get your results. I've heard some stories about people. Some people got it real quick, and some people had to wait for about a week or two, right. and they never got the test back. Right. So it should be like, I agree with you, it should be a quick 24 to 48-hour time turnaround. Correct. The quicker you know, the better you can do to try to figure out either. Stay uh, isolated. Yeah, quarantine yourself quarantine. if you need to. Exactly. So that way you won't spread it to other people. Because this disease, the bad thing about the coronavirus, among other things, is that it's got a real high contagious rate. It's very contagious. Unlike Ebola or even H, the swine flu, those symptoms were a little more recognizable right away, but they were not as contagious as compared to this coronavirus, in my personal opinion. This is the thing that's really grappling the world and society. It's turning everything upside down. Correct. Say the least. A good point on that. And also, another big thing, what would you do to help to try to alleviate to reduce crime in our community? It's a huge issue, even worse now, during this coronavirus we're dealing with. Well, first of all, you can't talk about defunding police. Law and order is always needed in a society. I grew up with great policemen in my life. As a youth, you would have standing on corners, and you get to know them. They passed out baseball cards and all that good stuff, and they tried to get to know who was in the community. And that's important with cutting down on crime, knowing the police, having them visible in the community, and working with law enforcement to make our community safer. I agree. I think you should definitely should not defund the police because you're going to have a law and order in our society. You have to. But would you also say that there should be some serious reform done with the police agencies around the country? Do you think there's a need for police reform? Let me ask you that. Well, police are visibility. They need to be in the community, on the feet, working with the neighborhood, working with the community, and getting to know who. So That's a- that can help safe in our, our community. Because right now, to be honest, especially in the black communities, Latino, but it's black and the minority communities, the image is that a lot of people don't like the police. They, the police are looked at as being an enemy, not a friend of the state. That's been a That's sentiment been for case. many years. Sentiment for many years, but I hate to say it, it might be some, we'll get to this in a little later, but it might be a point, some, how can I say it, people feel like with the recent, you know, not the recent, but the, the shootings of unarmed black males and women and minorities, people have a suspicion because of what's been going on. It's more of a, not a trust of the police department, I should say, or law enforcement. Right. When you have, sometimes you have a few bad apples in any department, and those bad apples happen to make a lot of police officers look bad, and it make the community feel that I don't trust the cop. Then you got the rebellious. Police pull you over, you don't want to cooperate, and that can be bad. You have to cooperate with the law if you value your life and the safety of others, because they're there to do a job. And if you get out with a bad attitude or got up on the wrong side of the bed, you might not make it home that night. So you got to be conscious of the law and the respect of another person and their job. I ain't going to lie. Being a black male inside, I've been pulled over a couple times for, I felt like, were ticky-tack things. Like maybe like a light that I know that was blown out, like a stoplight, or maybe a tail light I know that was burned out. I didn't know. But what I did, every time I got pulled over, maybe for changing lanes without signal, which I know I did. Every time I did have a couple times happen to me, I always made sure that I was being respectful. I try to keep my, even though I might have been mad about it, I didn't show it because if you show that anger, they might have an attitude, they might have a stereotype thinking you're an angry black male. Well, yeah, all they're trying to do is do their job. If you got a tail light out, it can cause an accident. That's true. And the safety of the citizens is their concern. So when they pull you over for a tail light or a blown bulb or whatever the case is, you have to respect that. But the way you handle it, if you come exactly. up there in an angry attitude, it's going to make, it's going to reinforce a stereotype. If you don't do that, you diffuse it, you be courteous and try to answer the questions and deal with it, it'll make it a lot easier. That's right. 
But if you come out there and being angry and upset, it's going to make things inflame. But there's been some incidents, unfortunately, where people have done the right thing. They, unfortunately, they have had some consequences, too. So there's a situation, too, that there are some bad apples in the police department that need to be weeded out. Correct. And one thing that they're talking about is that police officers as a whole do not get trained about negotiation techniques. That's one of the things about the reform things. My personal opinion, I think they need to put in is that to teach officers to do more negotiation techniques. Because you got to be a negotiator with people too, because it's not all about force. It's important. In some situations, you have to use force if it's a very violent situation. But then sometimes Correct. if you talk it out, you can avoid that situation, in my personal opinion. Right. Being calm, cooperating with the officer, whatever he asks you. If he asks you to step out the car, don't ask him, why should I step out the car? Because there might be a reason why he's asking you to step out. It goes you both ways too now. It goes on the officer side and the person they pull over. It goes on both sides. Well, his job is to bring law and order and safety to the community. So if he's doing his job, you don't have a job to tell him, no, you don't have the right to say, no, I'm not getting out of my car. No, I'm not showing you my life. Yeah, I got a gun. <laughs> they got to be careful and cautious and try to bring safety on, on for them and for yourself and others around you. I'll talk more about both sides got to be calm and cool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if the officer is talking smart, let's have a day talking smart to you, making inflammatory comments. They shouldn't be doing that because that can inflame a situation too. So it's got to be both people should be calm and cool in both situ- both sides. It make it a lot easier, make it a lot better overall. Studies have shown, and just think about it: if someone talks to you in a way where they're talking to you in a, either whatever it is in a, a disrespectful way, a disrespectful manner, you feel disrespect. You're not, you're not going to react at them. You're going to feel like you're being disrespectful. You're going to try to re- show you want to get someone to give you respect, and that's what's yeah. all about: get respect to get respect. That's, That's the model true. I go by. That's true. Yeah, but you make a very good point about that in uh, terms of the issues with crime. But in terms of, uh, more specifically, right now, let's be honest, murders have gone up tremendously around the country, and this coronavirus has really inflamed that. But you think that this is, has something to do with the fact about our unemployment rate being as high as it is? Do you think that's added more to the crime rate that we have right now? The unemployment? Yeah, unemployment rate. Because a lot of people are still out of work right now, too. Let's be honest. People have gone back to work, but people are still out of, more people out of work than are working right now. Right, if you look right, at the statistics right. nationally and locally, but what one thing that you would do now that you think that your opponent, Gwen Moore, who's in Congress, is not doing to bring down crime? I would say accountability to the state, to the city, and to the county. We have to bring accountability. If money is being allocated from Congress, which is Gwen Moore, she's the purse for the city, right? And things aren't getting done as they should then it's up to her to go to these divisions and say, hey, what's going on here? Question it. And I, I would be on top of that. That's one of the things that I think I would be good at, supposing what she's doing. She's been there for a while. She's comfortable. She's laid back. And here our city steady crumbling up. Yeah, you know? I mean. It's, I mean, it's a- somebody got to take responsibility for that. And if Congress allocates money, then Congress should be on top of it. You have a very good point. Yeah. It brings to my next area I want to talk to you about real quick. Basically, if you had to tell voters, what would the thing you would tell them? Why should voters vote for you over Gwen Moore? If they like what they've been getting, I would say vote for Gwen Moore. But if you're not getting anything and you're steady seeing your community go down, vote for me if you want it to improve. If you want to see better streets, you want to see more jobs, I'm going to be fighting for all that, Congress. Because whatever I do here in Milwaukee, it's going to reflect all the inner cities in the country. And that's what time it is. That's what time it is. We need to start taking care of our communities, not just here, but across the country. And everybody should feel represented within the district. 
not just a few blocks or a certain community, but the whole district. Because if the whole district does well, it's better overall. Exactly. Look at the districts around us, all right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mequon, flourishing. Oh, Oak Creek, flourishing. Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, Oak Creek. Wife is Bay, where we are right now, right. Wabatosa. Exactly. Those, we're those in the heart of the city, and this is all across the country. The hearts of the city is not being taken care of. You know what? You are right about that. In all parts of central cities or major urban or metro areas, are not doing what they should be flourished like they should be, while suburban areas are doing well. Nothing well, against the suburban areas, but a lot of resources are allocated from the city area. The correct. city metro areas, that's what things come from, the city areas. People come to the city areas and go We're the highest paying yeah. taxpayer within the state. Yeah, I know. Hear me walk. Look at the housing, low development. You know, public housing is built, it's flourishing, but <laughs> yeah, it is. then that's putting you in the basket for not to achieve a certain level. And we've been going through this for years. It's time for us to flourish and better our neighborhoods and communities. And that's what I'll be going to Congress to do. That was good to me. And I got to ask this question, if you don't mind, before we end this first episode here. I have to ask this because people want to know. Another thing I said actually earlier, how long have you been running as a Republican? Since 2018. Okay. Since 2018. Let me ask you a question. Within the black community or within urban minority communities, I have to ask you this. Have you gotten any type of flack for being a Republican compared to being a Democrat, or how has that been for you? A little bit of flack. Not much, because a lot of people, they want change. They want positive change to uplift their communities. And a lot of blacks want that also. And if voting Democrat is not getting it, we've got to try something else. Republicans out here, and with their arms open, welcoming individuals to join the party, to be a part of the party, to move forward. That's what I've seen. That's what I experienced. And I'm hoping to bring my community to the level of it's not about Democrat or Republican. It's about we, the people, making it right for all people. You bring a good point. I told you this before a couple of times. It is my personal opinion. I think what well, people are discontented or disenchanted with both parties as a whole because people feel like the both party system, Democrats and Republicans as a whole, are not doing the will of the people. They're not doing what the people need right. to get things done. Like I give you an example. Look, look what's going on in D.C. They're still haggling trying to get this stimulus package done. And they were talking about this since June or July. We're halfway through September, going in the month. And yeah. they still haven't it yet. Exactly. You got certain parties that want to stick what they call pork bellies in these bills. <laughs> yeah, I heard about to that. To where, how can you pass it with that? Why stick pork bellies in it? Just take care of the people. Okay, we'll take care of the people if you fund this here corporation or fund this. Then we'll take care of the people. No, it shouldn't be that way. That's what I'm going to fight for. And the, the most people. important thing is, sorry, in the packages, get what needs to be done is essentially like unemployment assistance, getting money done to make sure people can go back to school safely. You see the high numbers of coronavirus cases here, just here right. statewide with UW-Madison, Marquette, UWM, and other schools, colleges around the country, and other schools will open back up you got to allocate the funds to make it safe for people mm -hmm. to go back to school, go back to work. And speaking so, of school, I'm for school choice, right? Okay. People, parents should have a choice on where their kids are educated. If they're not learning in the public schools, they have the option of choice school that may fit their kids better than public school. They should have that option. We want to educate our kids, not just hold them. If the public school's not working, they hold you at a, at a level where you can't <laughs> rise above. And it's sad. That's a very good point. I just want to leave that point there because, if you don't mind, we're about to wrap up this episode now, and we're going to continue this in, in the uh, next episode. So, like I said, everyone out there, again, we'll be back with the next uh, part two with uh, Tim Rogers in a moment. 
And until then, keep it classy until next episode.